Welcome to Times Yours. I am Spike, and you are? I'm Pat Gowan. How are you, Pat? I'm good. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I saw, um, I actually, I, I meant to ask you about this. I saw the Phillies Nation Twitter, and I don't know who controls the Phillies Nation Twitter, but asking about the Sixers today, and I smiled. Where did that, <laughs> where did that come from? Just that was, curiosity? That was me. I, uh, well, it started because we, we, we team up with a t-shirt company called Philovania. They make great stuff. Shameless plug. But they have a great Sixers shirt that they just came out with. And I was plugging it on our Facebook page, and people were just crapping all over the Sixers. <laughs> so I post the, you know, posed the question, why? Why the hate? Why does everyone hate the Sixers so much? Because if you think about it, the Sixers are in the same position the Phillies were in in the early 2000s. Right. They were, you know, they were getting close to the playoffs, or in the Sixers' case, they're in the playoffs, but they're always, you know, just, just over 500, not quite good enough to, to get to the top. I think that they're kind of in the same in the same boat. So maybe in a couple of years, the Sixers will be the the new Phillies. You know, I'm just I'm just trying to wonder why there's so much hate for the Sixers. Yeah, I think um, and and as well, the funny thing about the Sixers to me is that the image of Philadelphia is that blue collar, work hard, like you know, give it your all team kind of concept, and that's uh, or at least it used to be, and that's exactly what that team was last year. You know, it was a yeah. it was definitely like a blue collar, work hard, play defense kind of team. I most of the time I saw it with. Um, with Flyers fans who reacted that way uh, mm-hmm. about the Sixers. I think maybe what it is to an extent is that because Phillies Nation is so focused on Phil, like because that site is so Philly centric that when they saw a Sixers thing, they were more than anything, they were probably just yeah. taken aback. But I think and it's we're fo- just trying to spread the love though. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what's, what's the shirt. I got to take a look at the shirt. I got to take a look at the, um, the new um the new shirt they have I yeah jump on there see if you can find it it's like got a big six and it says uh like wilt julius charles allen and the years that they pretty much like kicked ass oh it's a pretty cool shirt yeah yeah Yeah, the um you know that's one thing actually that i've thought has been missing in the you know in that secondary t-shirt market in the not quite licensed t-shirt market yeah there haven't been enough i i wanted like a drew holiday shirt last year i wanted a drew and drew t-shirt last year that's like, not bad yeah like there weren't and i was hoping that at least this year um there would start to be at least a couple of those How about like shirts. uh like holiday and holiday like ebony yeah. and ivory yeah perfect right or i wanted a uh, a wwdc do a what would doug collins do t-shirt okay um because there were there were what would tim tebow do t-shirts right yeah yeah all rights are reserved here people yes yeah yeah (laughs) by by mentioning this we're we're reserving our copyright to these uh to these borderline copyright (laughs) t-shirts anyway so um so we'll get to see actually um oddly enough not oddly but coincidentally the not even coincidentally um, the the show today is mostly uh, Phillies and uh, and Sixers, um, and I thought we, you know, the, the Phillies made a, not a, you know, it's funny, it's not a big signing in terms of the baseball team, but when the Phillies went, when I saw the Dontrell Willis signing, what just visually to me, it seemed for some reason, maybe it's just because he was he was a big name. It seemed like a big deal to me. It seemed of note more than any other, you know, left-handed yeah. reliever would seem. Did it yeah. feel that way to you? Yeah, it did. That that name just sticks out to you because you've seen him for so many years, and you saw the ups and you saw the downs. And at one time, he was a great, 
great pitcher in this league. He was a uh, he was uh, the rookie of the year in 03, and then in 2005 he was runner up for Cy Young. So you know you're thinking, wow. And and it's funny because he's not even 30 years old yet, but it seems like he's been around forever. And he jumped in like when he was really young, and the and the Marlins won the World Series in 03. Um, but it's just been it's been ugly. But I think that this is a, a great move for the Phillies. It's basically one of those low-risk, high-reward type deals. Million bucks, one year. You make him the lefty out of the bullpen. I don't think really anything can go wrong here. Yeah, except for, and I was reading actually on, on Crash Burn Alley, and Bill is genuine, is generally um, critical of Manuel's managing specifically uh pitcher usage and mm-hmm. bullpen management. And I guess his point was that if you use him, he can be, re- like, if you look at his batting average against against left-handed hitters, it's, um, it's like, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's I ridiculous. Mean, yeah, he's pretty locked down against, um, you know, against left-handed hitters. I guess Bill's point was he has to be used that way, you know, as that specialist. And that manual too many times would use J.C. Romero is the same way, except that he would leave him in against left-handers. And I think, you know, something we saw, La Russa probably overdoes it to an extent, but yeah. La Russa was very specific to use guys in specific situations. And I think uh, to put, to quote an Andy Reid-ism, um, to put Willis in the best position to be successful, uh, you would think that the key is is to only is to have him really be specialized that way, not to oh, be yeah. a, a one inning guy, but to to be a left hander only guy. Yeah, the, the numbers are so ugly with Willis against righties that it just doesn't make. I mean, as a as a relief pitcher, you're gonna see a right handed batter. You know, it, it's not gonna be you're just gonna see all lefties all season long. At some point, you're gonna have to see a right handed batter. But yeah, if if Charlie Manuel can can eliminate most of those at-bats where Willis would see a right-handed batter, then, I mean, the numbers say that he can be a great pitcher if if he is, yeah, if he's lefty-specific. But Charlie has been known to do some odd things in the past. That being said, <laughs> I think he knows that this is, he's only left-handed driven. I mean, he can only, only pitch against lefties or it's going to be ugly. He's no longer a starter, we know that. Um, I think maybe he could fill in as a spot starter, but that's where things start to get shaky because I don't just something about him. I mean, the way he throws, righties are just picking him up. So yeah, I think this will be a good move if Charlie just uses him for that specific purpose. And I'll tell you too, because of that that like cachet that he brings, because his name means something, that guy could end up being. It's amazing how somebody could be a fan favorite for for a small role, but if he comes in and is successful in that role, like you will see Dontrell Willis jerseys. You will see Oh yeah. You know, people will like him because he'll come in and he'll strike out left-handed batters and if there's one thing a pitcher can do um to make people love him, it's, you know, strike out. And he's a, you know, there's he the way he pitches is a uh, he's got a sensational kind of style and he's got that name and he could be you know he could be a, a big deal for not having that big a role this year too yeah yeah well the, this the way he pitches and and um you know his style is kind of all his own and, and he's always smiling he's always very happy he always you know you saw the pictures of Willis um always with a smile on his face so I think all those things together um can can make him yeah it can make him a fan favorite if he's not already i mean i've seen some people not really liking the deal so much but i don't get that because this is this is like as low risk as you as you can get would you rather see jc romero come back here i mean they're thinking outside the box here and i like that because the phillies 
you know, the Papelbon signing really wasn't outside the box. Um, they've been known to, you know, Ruben Amaro has made some very good moves in the past, but they, the outside-the-box thinking kind of ends with the Phillies. They're always very straight and narrow, I think. Um, but this is saying, hey, look, he's, he stunk as a starter, but if we can turn him into the thing we want to turn him into, this can be great for both sides because it's a one-year deal. It's, it's cheap relative to, you know, to relief pitchers throughout baseball and a guy who's been around as long as he has. And look, he can make a name for himself as a lefty. He could be around for the next 10 years. I mean, if a lefty can throw a baseball, he can be in baseball until he's 40 years old. And honest, I'd rather see, you know, when you're talking about, you know, what the price of bullpen guys is, Dontrell Willis at a million dollars compared to somebody like like a Brad Lidge is going to look for two or three million dollars a year, mm-hmm. you know, essentially to fill the same the same the same kind of role, the same to eat up the same number of innings, right? Um, because neither of them are closer, neither of them are setup guy. So you're either a middle reliever or, or, or you're a specialist. And to get a specialist for that kind of price, a million dollars is nothing. I mean, oh, it's crazy cheap. to say that it's nothing. But <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's getting his thirty thousand dollars every two weeks for his nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, for his I'd, one inning every other day. Yeah, not even. Good for him. I, I think it was a a, a solid signing. Now the one thing. That the one signing that didn't happen, that everybody that I, w- I was thinking about the other night, and it's you know it goes from being top of mind to under the radar, is the fact that Jimmy Rollins is not only not signed by the Phillies, he's not signed by anybody right now. Yeah. And um, while this has happened, every other team has signed a shortstop, basically, I guess, except for the the Detroit rumors that that were out there, which I don't think are, are real at all. So every other team has signed a shortstop, and basically every other shortstop of value is gone Mm -hmm. so you have the Phillies staring down Jimmy Rollins when no and you can tell me if I'm wrong but it doesn't seem like either side has any other real option right no no they they don't and and now more than ever you would think things should start to progress a little bit more but it just seems like these these false out there rumors the Tigers the Braves the Giants it just seems like his agent is kind of clawing and looking for some sort of leverage because not that the Phillies have all the leverage because you don't want to lowball Jimmy. You want to give him what he's worth. You don't want to you don't want to allow a team like the Tigers or the Braves to jump in and and steal him for far less than he's worth. That being said, something's got to be done here pretty soon because yeah, I mean the, the Tigers it, it came out yesterday that that was probably pretty false. Um but if he, if you piss him off enough, maybe he'll just say, "Look, I'll go play somewhere else for two years for a little bit less than what you were offering," and then try to, I don't know, try to work it out and down the road and, and try to get more years at thirty three or at thirty five years old. So I don't know what what his thinking is. I don't know what his agent is, is thinking, but there just really seems to be no. You're right. There's like no bargaining power there. Yeah, for, and almost for either of them, you know, you, you say that you know Rollins doesn't have anywhere else to go, but I. Like I just I don't think the Phillies have any the the tough thing for the Asian I have to guess is clearly he was more um, he was preoccupied by the Pujols deal yeah there's no there's no other option that that he thought one way or another the Rollins thing would get solved um, and he was concentrating on Pujols and now we are we're here. We're here looking at this, and the conventional wisdom is that the you know Rollins is going to have to take whatever the Phillies offer because he's got nowhere else to go. But if I'm that, if I'm Rollins's agent, I'm looking at the Phillies and going, okay, well, where else are you going to go? Right. Because y- you haven't made, they haven't made a move to 
not only replace the production that they lose from him, but 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 who's going to play shortstop? Because clearly, if they were ready for Freddie Galvis to play shortstop, he'd be playing shortstop. That's you know, they true. they would have told they would have ended Jimmy Rollins' conversations a long time ago, or they would have made some kind of a trade to have somebody else in there. Like I think you're right. I think at this point, you're almost. What is the sense of daring Jimmy Rollins to go somewhere else when you don't, at this point, you don't have a backup plan and your whatever backup plan you use is significantly worse than what Rollins is? And I'm not saying that Rollins is, you know, the best shortstop in the National League, but he's certainly above average and he's certainly um, being, been a, a big enough part of this team where if you don't have, if you, if you don't have a backup plan that you're confident in and we don't see one, then I don't know what, what leverage they have either. Like I think they just have to, you know, if you're if you're the, the the team and the agent, you have to sit down and and kind of tear up whatever whatever negotiation you had going on before. You have to tear it up and throw it away and just say, okay, what? Let's get what's fair. Mm-hmm. Let's get this done. What's fair? You know what I mean? Like Jimmy, you're not going to get five years, and the Phillies, you're not going to get them for for three. So can we just, you know, make <laughs> it forty? Can we just, fit, you know, end this where everybody thought it was going to end in the first place anyway? You I know? think I think Ruben's playing a little bit of chicken here because his thinking, I think, is all right. Go out there, see what you can find. Let us know what happens. And as you can see, there's not much left out there. And from the Phillies' perspective, they're thinking, all right, we can maybe fill in for a year with, I don't know, someone like a Jack Wilson or someone who's been around the league for a long time. Or maybe they can swing another minor trade and bring in a, a guy who can play shortstop. That's not going to be great. Yeah, you know, it's it's not going to be on the same level as Rollins. But then they're hoping, hey, look, we bring this guy in in a year, Freddie Galvis will be ready, and then he can take over then. I mean, we can play it that way. I think that's what Ruben is thinking from his side. And, yeah, there's there there really isn't. It's kind of odd how this has played out. There really isn't much leverage on either side. Um, I think the Phillies are right by sticking by, hey, no five years, and it sounds like no fourth year um, guaranteed. It, it would be a probably some sort of option year. And I think that that's the right thing to do because you don't want to – be married to this guy when he's 37 years old and he's making $14 million a season. That just doesn't make financial sense. And I think Ruben is more or less daring him to go out there and find something else. And they'll say, hey, we'll figure it out because we've got a lot of money on the books already and we've got a lot of money coming up to guys like Hamels and maybe Pence if you want to keep him around and, and Victorino is going to be a free agent. So it's like, hey, we're going to try and do things our way. We'll We'll work with you guys a little bit, but We've got other fish to fry down the road that are going to be even more expensive. We can't go five years, $60 million with you. We've got to think this thing through. And I think they are. So I kind of like that the Phillies are are standing pat and going um, in this sort of direction because I do think that, you know, the way it's played out, no teams. Jimmy kind of s- scared teams away and his agent by himself saying five years or nothing. So he kind of yeah. screwed himself in, in that regard. So, yeah, it, it's playing out pretty odd, but I think the Phillies do have – a little bit of the upper hand here. And and basically what you're saying is if if he does decide to go somewhere else out of spite and take a little bit less, then the Phillies are willing to live with that. They'd rather he go yeah. somewhere out of spite than sign him for too many years or too much money. That that's, that's basically what, where they where they sit. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Um and then the other guy, you know what I didn't even mention to bring this up to you is is that are we going to see anything with Hamels? I mean, do you think I mean extending him or or is that you know that's kind of gotten quiet as well. Yeah, it has. Um, I think that it, they want to try and figure out shortstop first. I think they want to make sure that their 2012 team is 
is kind of all in the bag and everything's ready to go for then. And then they'll start to talk with Cole Hamels. And I think, obviously, this will happen sooner rather than later, figuring out what's going on with Rollins, if it goes into early January, whatever. Because the Phillies do have, up until the beginning of the regular season, pretty much to talk with Hamels. Because I know that a lot of agents and clients don't like to talk contract in season because they don't want it to be a distraction. And that's fine. But if you're going to do something with Hamels, you've got to make sure you do it before the season because then you start to get into, hey, should we trade? Should we try and get something for him? Uh, we may lose him at the end of the season. So between January and March, I think you'll, you'll see more of the uh, Hamels talk heating up. Well, and two, I, you, don't, you don't want... The, if that's hanging over his head and all of a sudden he's not performing the way he was, you don't know... It becomes hard to figure out why he's not, you know, if that's a reason for him mm -hmm. not performing. You know, right. he's never he's never been a part of that. He's never dealt with that before. Um, and I think you could see actually with it was funny seeing um, and from everybody I've talked to, Thaddeus Young with the Sixers, like he was nervous going into that restricted free agent thing. He was, you know, that was um, I don't think I think it's a pretty unsettling thing if you're a professional athlete and you're not. You know, you're young, and the first yeah. time you're going into that unsuredness of your, you know, your career and your life, I think it, it can have an effect. Uh, it can f have an effect on you. And, of course, the biggest move the Phillies made in the offseason was trading Ben Francisco for a minor league <laughs> pitcher. What are we going to do without Ben Francisco this I year? I know. Poor Benny. I thought he was going to turn out better than, than he did. It just didn't, didn't work out for him. He, did, ben uh, Francisco is not one of those, quote-unquote, attraction players that we talked about. No, he is not. He <laughs> did hit that home run, though. He did hit that We will run. have that forever yeah. with us. Forever, yeah. Um, I think that was uh, that was all the Philly stuff uh, I wanted to get to. I, I think, right? Um, wait, there was. But well, we did talk thing? about the 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 attract the attraction of a guy like Willis, right? That you know he's he's no longer the same guy he was. But it, this is something that we talked about on on the radio the other day, and it, it generated some some pretty good discussion. Um, that Willis at one point was one of those guys that you you pretty much went to see because he was not he's not a freak show of a pitcher, but he was different when he came out and. And you know he was he was great for for the first couple of years. He was a guy that you would buy tickets to go see. Who now is one of those guys? You know because uh, in Philadelphia, do you go pay, do you go pay to see a guy like Ryan Howard? Do you go pay to see Claude Giroux? Maybe I mean there are a handful of guys in Philadelphia you would go pay to see. But this was a topic that really generated some some pretty good discussion. Yeah, and you know what? As good as those guys are, there's to me there's a clear difference between, and as, I know Giroux is leading the league in points, but it's the clear difference between a guy like Eric Lindros, who you, who, you, who was definitely that guy that you would go pay to see, mm -hmm. and to me as a casual fan, Giroux, like, as spectacular as he is, I don't even know if Philly has one of those guys. It's almost like, like Allen Iverson was clearly that guy. Yep. You know, um, you know, Randall Cunningham even was clearly that guy, or even T.O. was clearly that guy. I think uh, Vic was clearly that guy before this right. season kind of went down the tubes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You know what, he is. And But for some reason, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson has his moments, but I don't know if he's, like, is he that guy to you? or, or No. Could, no? No. no. And, I mean, yeah, if I'm thinking, well, I've got to go to this game to see what Deshaun Jackson's going to do. That's just not doing it for me. But if you you're said probably not going to get your money's worth, right? Right, because <laughs> you have no idea what he's going to do. But if if you say I've got to go pay this hundred dollars to see Michael Vick play, because even though he's struggling, he can make. I mean, he can make it worth your while to go out and see what he can do on the football field. I think 
he can make that one play that's worth that hundred bucks. Exactly. And he that, can break off that like sixty yard run running out of the pocket, you know, with guys chasing him all over. That's to me is worth it. You, you know what the Willis signing actually reminds me of is um when the Sixers two years ago um re-signed Allen Iverson. And um and you know, I think Willis has the ability to be more um I don't know more uh, to to contribute more than Iverson did because yeah. Iverson was clearly like cooked mm. when they signed him. But there was all that excitement based on what you remember. It didn't even it didn't have anything to do with with what with what would be. It just had had to do with what was. Mm-hmm. And I remember they they sold that that it was during the Eddie Jordan year, so it was the worst year of basketball I've ever seen. <laughs> but the one sellout they had the entire season was that that game when Iverson came back and they yeah. played against the Nuggets and it was sold out. And that's guys like that are, you know, great players happen far more often than that kind of guy that you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that the, kind of guy is more rare. I think like the entire package of, yeah, he, he's not only a great player, but he's, he's got such a magnetism about him that, that, you know, you just want to see what he's capable of and, and you, you'll pay good money to see that. Well, don't don't you think that guy Suspedes is that his name? Like that's that guy, right? I mean, he's isn't isn't he potentially that kind of guy? I think if he had grown up in the United States, he would be because then he'd be like kind of like Bryce Harper. Because yeah, then yeah. you would have to go out and pay. You'd be like, "Wow, I've got to go see this guy." But it's kind of like we don't really know who he is. We don't know what he's capable of. We've only heard stories, and we see this crazy YouTube video. So I think it's more like they can't. No one can figure out who this guy is. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's almost, I mean, the other cool thing about him though, is that mystery is that like, you don't know anything about him. Right. Um, that I think could be that. Yeah. I mean, I would love for Philly to have, and I think if there's any Flyers fan listening to this, they're going to be angry that I said (laughs) Giroux isn't that guy. But I think the difference with those guys is they, is they mean that to casual fans and not just people who are involved exactly the casual fan doesn't know who Claude Giroux is not that he's not a great player because he is but yeah he's to the casual everyday person are they going to want to say oh I've got to go see this guy to me Giroux yet doesn't really spark that kind of interest but a guy like Crosby or Ovechkin he does yeah what a shame by the way Sidney Crosby's never going to play hockey again that is a shame I I mean that they can say that he will, but he comes back after missing almost an entire year and is already out again with concussion symptoms. I mean, that's just, you know, that's the kind of thing where you're just like, it, it was sad to see. And I don't even, you know, I mean, he's a, a fantastic player to watch just to, to, can you imagine being that age and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're looking at, you're going to forget it. I mean, I'm sure he's got plenty of money, but forgetting about money, like, what do you you know, what do you do with your life exactly. at that point? You know, because yeah. you're on, you're still on the top of your game, and then right. to have it taken away from you, yeah, I, I can only imagine. Um, now the uh, Sixers broke camp um, yesterday, and like I said, the Sixers haven't the, the guys that the Sixers have had that are that that you talk about are Iverson. Um, I guess you would say Iverson, Will, Doctor J, Charles Barkley, right? You know, I mean, what's I, funny is when I was in, uh, I guess it was senior year of college was when the Sixers traded for Chris Webber. And me and my buddy, you know, oh, yeah. big, big, big Sixers fans, and we were sitting around the table. It was like, I remember it was like the middle of the day. We didn't have class or something like that. And we saw it popped up on ESPN News that the Sixers had traded for Chris Webber. And we like flipped out. We're like, 
oh my God, Chris Webber, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, he was at the end of his career. He was pretty much cooked as well. But he had that that sort of name like, wow, he's been around a long time. But it, it's still, it's Chris Webber. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, we got the worst version of Chris Webber that you could ever met. Like he was, and I, I think he's great. I mean, I think he's great. He's a great analyst and he seems like a really nice guy. And really at the... At the top of his game early on, he was one of the most fun players to watch ever. You know, he did Absolutely. that behind the back thing against Barkley when he dunked on him. It was <laughs> one of the, you know, to see a guy that was almost seven feet tall be able to handle the ball like that was was amazing. But he, oh my God, I mean, if, if you ever want to talk about a letdown of what what you remember and what actually was, Chris Weber was that. We got a lot of those guys. I mean, Glenn Robinson yeah. was that guy. Yep. I mean, there was. Yeah, the Sixers were like a haven for those guys. <laughs> or even, uh, I mean, he was never of that level, but Richard Dumas was so exciting to watch when he was in Phoenix. And then we got yeah. the, the back-on-crack version of Richard <laughs> Dumas, who was, who was uh, no good. The, um, the Sixers uh, broke camp yesterday, the shortest training camp in the history of professional sports, three-day training camp, um, which is amazing. The, the off-season, I had... Uh, Matt Moore, who uh, who writes for CBSSports.com, he's like their head NBA blogger. Had him had him on the podcast the other day, and I was asking him just about the the potential damage that the league may have done by voiding that that Chris Paul trade by making kind of like this whole this whole trading the superstar thing was something I think that people were tired of already, and it added an extra layer of nonsense to it. Um, and I asked him whether he thought it had hurt the league. And his point to me was just that like he their their basketball sites have more traffic now than they've ever had. Mm-hmm. So that whatever they've done, whether it was a, a bad move or a good move, has has sparked more interest um than than he's ever had in any of those pages. And what's funny is is when you look at that trade offer that most people said was fair, and then look at who Chris Paul was actually traded for and who New Orleans actually got, the right move for the— and what's confusing about this whole situation is that the league voided it, but the league owns the Hornets. <laughs> right. So, so like, it's almost like the team voiding it. You know, it yeah, wasn't, yeah. You know, it wasn't like—and that's where the confusing part is, but the deal they ended up getting was way better than that New Orleans deal. I, I mean, agree. To get, Era Gordon and uh, to get Gordon and Bledsoe and Aminu and a potentially a top five pick rather than Kevin Martin, uh, Luis Scola and and Lamar Odom is a like it's a world of difference. So maybe, maybe just maybe it was the right thing to do. I mean maybe they were right. They just didn't get a big enough package. Did it? Did that? Did that whole thing, the voiding of the deal, affect how you saw the league? Like what did you, what did you feel like when you saw that? I thought it was a little bit ridiculous because I thought that, yeah, the trade was fair and there's not a lot of time here to to mess around with things like that because camp was so short. The season's about to start. You've got to implement these players as quickly as possible. So I thought it was a little bit head-scratching because there's a deal here to be made. Um, In the end, it turns out, hey, Stern knew knew what he was doing and it turned out well for both sides. Um, So, but, But as far as Matt Moore and what he's saying... 
uh, with the, with the traffic to their sites and stuff, people love a train wreck like that. People yeah. love to see things go down that way. Um, so even if it's negative, that's not always it's not always bad. Even if the publicity is negative for the league, that's not always bad because you will have eyes. You know, you, yeah. you'll have eyes looking at your product, um, and, and then you hope. Look, so so that may have screwed things up for a couple of days, and then it turns around, and the Clippers make an, an excellent offer. Both sides get what they want out of it. And all is well, and and now maybe you've picked up even more NBA fans because of it. Yeah, his his point was that look, he goes the entire sports public is talking about a Chris Paul trade, mm-hmm. and even though Chris Paul could, in my opinion, is the best point guard in the NBA, but in most people's opinions, is no lower than than two. Right. You know, um, is still not the kind of name that Dwight Howard. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. So to have the entire sports public being aware of the New Orleans Hornets possibly trading their best player is a positive thing. He, you know, he was saying the same thing. He was like, "Look, he's like, it's just eyes." He's like, and in in three weeks, once the season starts, nobody's going to really remember this anyway. Exactly. And out of it, what you have is another. And I know people are sick of major market teams doing this, but we're a major market team, so I couldn't care less. I mean, <laughs> Philly's a major market. The Clippers, of all people, now have a, a team that is a, that, that pairing, that Chris Paul Blake Griffin pairing. Oh, that's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like somehow they've wound up with just a, a far more. It's more exciting to see Chris Paul and Blake Griffin than Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant, and it's not even close. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that was the thinking behind it. Is that Stern didn't want to load the Lakers up any more than they already? They're already, you know, a front runner. They're already um, ahead of every other team and who they can bring in and how much money they can spend. Let's try and help out the little guy here. It turned out well. Yeah, an awful owner in Donald Sterling, oh, but yeah. I can't, dude. And the 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 price for NBA League Pass, I got NBA League Pass last year. Uh, I think it was like one hundred eighty nine dollars for the season, which to me, two hundred bucks to watch every game is not is is fine. Yeah, it's not um, bad. It's one sixty nine this year, which per game is actually more expensive than it was last year. Now, is that can you call them and say, hey, can we make a can we make a deal here? No, it it really sucks, and especially with Comcast, they um. If you order NBA League Pass on DirecTV, not only did you get League Pass on your TV, but they give you broadband League Pass as well, so you can access it on any computer. Comcast, okay. you have to pay separately oh, for the broadband. God. Yeah, so it's like an extra 90 bucks or something. So, like 90 like, bucks? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, or, or 50, but whatever. It was too much money. Whatever it was, it was too much money. Um, so no, it's like, you know, I, I know like HBO is some of those things where they'll go, where they can change the price for you if you complain long enough. Yeah. League pass, the price is set. Um, so it's actually more expensive per game than it was last year, which is, I'm still going to end up buying it just so <laughs> I can watch. I want to watch the Clippers and I want to watch Golden State yeah. and uh, all those things. But I think it's, um, it's a, uh. It's a it's a pretty insulting that the NBA. Maybe we should watch what we're expensive. saying though, because you were just on lunch break today, and and yeah. I do it all the time in the summer too. So we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Comcast, we love you. Well, yeah, they, yeah. I guess CSN is different than. Well, I guess it's not. It's all one big thing. Yeah, yeah. I love you, Comcast. Love you. Great people over there. Good, good great people, people charging great prices. Yes, of course. Um, and uh, I, you know the the off season. I guess it looks like Orlando is not going to trade. Howard, at least until later in the season. So it looks like everything's pretty much settled. I mean, Nene stays in um, Nene stays in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul goes to the Clippers. 
the Lakers, all they've got was a trade exception for Lamar Odom. So the Lakers, as of right now, are weaker than they were, um, you know, two weeks ago than when the offseason started. They're not as good as they were. No. You know, trying to, to look at who really won the offseason or who's in the best. I guess you have to look at, I think the Knicks over way overspent for Tyson Chandler. I mean, when you think about the reason that they gave all that money for Tyson Chandler is because they didn't think they could get Chris Paul. Right. So they gave the same money to Tyson Chandler <laughs> that they would to Chris Paul, which is a, a really kind of insane thing when you think about it. But I guess that the teams that ended up winning this offseason were the Clippers, the Knicks, and and New Orleans just because they got the most that they could get, right? I mean, I, yeah. I can't think of anybody else that's really made that biggest splash that that makes them a contender when they weren't a contender. I mean, right? I'm happy that I'm happy that Nene stayed with um with with Denver. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously the Clippers come out on top, the Hornets come out on top. Uh, yeah, because you're seeing, I mean, you got to think of it relative to the position that he plays. Tyson Chandler's getting paid a lot of money because there just aren't a lot of good centers in this league. So, yeah. um I understand why they overpaid for him, but they're getting a hell of a de- uh, defensive center and with Mello and Amari and Chandler in the middle. That's pretty. That's pretty sweet for the Knicks. Yeah, the, I'll tell you what. With the with the defense, the rest of that team plays. Tyson Chandler is going to yeah. get about six blocks a game because everybody is going to get to the rim. There isn't going to be one person that stops anybody. Mike Bibby is playing point guard on the Knicks, who is 150 years old oh, and slower than I am. Like there's a Tyson Chandler is going to. I'll tell you what, he's going to earn every penny of that $14 million. You might have to play zone with those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, it, it, you're right about big men. I mean, DeAndre Jordan got almost $11 million a year. DeAndre Jordan, who had a ton of potential, but um, averaged seven points a game last year, you know, seven points and seven rebounds and shoots 40% from the free throw line. Kwame Brown just got $7 million. Is that how much he got? Year. Seven? Yeah. Well, it was, it was that whole um, kind of domino effect because what happened was Golden State needed a center. So they go after Chandler. They lose Chandler. So they way make way too big an offer for DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. which the Clippers have to match. So they don't get DeAndre Jordan, and they're left with they need a center. They, like all yeah. they have is you can't go in there with Beadrince, who has been zero for two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only guy left on the market, real and, and Nene stays in Denver. So the only guy left on the market really was Kwame Brown. So they and Gasol a, stays with the Grizzlies, right? And then the other thing they have to do is not only do they have to get a big man, but they have to hit that salary floor. So the NBA teams now have to spend eighty five percent of the cap, right? So it almost behooves them to overpay a guy like that so they can. Get him in there it's just for a, this year, yeah. Like right. he, uh, Carl Landry, nice player, always liked him. One of those hardworking guys. Um, he got nine million dollars, and that I was like, "What?" Not, yeah. Carl Landry got nine million dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. And then you see the guys that at the end of it, you know, Jamal Crawford's going to end up on your Portland Trailblazers, and you know he is. Yeah. But he, um, he's a guy who I thought was going to get overpaid, and he's going to get two years, ten million, which five million a year. That's what Lou Williams gets paid. So I, I think Jamal Crawford ends up being a bargain. I mean, this ended up being the, the overpay the big man off season. It Definitely. seems like because there's so few of them. Um, yeah, and Gasol got a max contract from Memphis, and, um. And and that's after Houston off- offers him a max contract. Houston doing whatever they can to get. Thank um, God the owners man. saved themselves from themselves because oh. if not, Marcus Saul would have gotten like an eight-year contract worth like a yep. hundred million dollars. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, they would have made it worse than it, than it already was. Yeah. And through all this, the Sixers, um, and perhaps to the benefit, to their benefit, at least for the first half of this season, are pretty much exactly the same mm-hmm. um, than they were last year. And the benefit there is going to be that when you have a a short training camp and a short off season and this much flux with this many players um, and, and more flux to come with the Dwight Howard thing, because that's going to involve three teams. I mean, that won't involve, you know, just one team in, in Orlando. It's going to have to involve another team uh, because nobody has the assets to get him anyway. You know, unless the Sixers decided to do something and take a risk and give up, you know, if they give up Drew Holiday and Evan Turner on a pick, they could get, you know, they could get Dwight Howard, which wow. they're, they're that, not going to. Is that uh, is that something that you would do? No, I wouldn't because you're not going to get a. He's, you're almost for sure. What you're doing is you're trading for him to have the chance to re-sign him yeah, because he's that's n- true. you're not going to get any guarantee. So you're you're basically signing him and then trying to convince him to stay. So so basically, you know, the point being that they're going to have to involve another team, which means there's going to be f- even more flux in the NBA, which kind of allows the Sixers at least at the beginning of the year, I think to have an advantage and really be able to you know, whereas they got off to such a bad start last year, I think they could do the exact opposite this year. I agree. They get off to a really good start, you know? Yeah, we talked about this before. There's there's no reason why they can't go 3-2 and two on that five-game roadie, and then they come back 18 of 22 at home. So I think they could sit pretty. Yeah, I mean, they, you could, after your first 16 games, it would mean a lot for this team to be 10-6 and six rather than 3-13. and 13. Yeah, it would, and and that's I think that's what. And there's talk today. Pretty much all the beat writers have reported, and it, it hasn't been said by Doug Collins, but it means it's coming from somewhere inside that Jody Meeks is going to end up starting the season at the two. And the reason for that being, I mean, the first, the obvious reason is that the reason why he started at all is because the way he shoots, it spreads the floor for the rest of the team, and without having a, you know, a a guy in that starting lineup who's really a scorer, who's a dedicated scorer, you need to have that spacing. Right. But the other thing that I feel like Collins is trying to do is to try to get off to their best chance to get off to a good start is to have everything be as similar to the way it was last year um, as it is. And I think Turner will get more minutes than he got. I think we're going to see, you know, at least 25 minutes out of Evan Turner, it'll be him and Young and Williams. That's a hell of a second unit, though. They should oh be God, they should yeah. be happy with with Williams, Young, and Turner. So, yeah, I'm 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 fine with that. And the, for the people that say, "Oh, he's the second pick in the draft, he should be starting," it, it doesn't have to work like that. He can be a a really good contributor. And you know, this is actually funny. We talked about this last year on on the radio show. That would you rather have had the Sixers go with Demarcus Cousins or Evan Turner, because Cousins was showing so much promise at the time, you know, double double guy. He looked like he was starting to get it, but he's he's got that you know that brain disorder where he just loses it at some at some points. But I've I've stuck by Evan Turner, and I think he's going to turn out to be a pretty good player. And in a couple of years, they're going to need him when Iguodala probably moves on and and Brand's contract is up. He's going to be a leader soon. Yeah, I think I still think Turner is going to be a really good guy, and the, yeah, it was Cousins was the was the thing to debate about. And I just, I'm so frightened by how crazy he is, Yeah, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is. I mean, if you watched him at all last year, I he gives off just the worst vibes of any basketball player I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just so unhappy and 
visi- and I, that could go away. He's very young, you know, he's you know, 19, 20 years old, and that could go away with time. But man, just visibly uh, upset when the when he doesn't get the ball, and just and again, a lot of promise, but he's you know six ten, and he shot forty two percent last year. Right. And how do you shoot forty percent when you're six <laughs> ten? You know what I mean? Like Evan Turner mostly took jump shots and at least shot forty three percent. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how that happens. So I still think that they had to make that pick, and, and maybe maybe trading down and and taking favor. I, I don't know what the move was if you didn't take Turner, but I think if they were t- picking it two, they still had to take Turner. And I still believe that Evan Turner is going to be a very good player. Yeah. And like you said, I you could see in the playoffs he's a killer. He's just got it in him. He's yeah. not afraid. He's He's not afraid to half of being that guy in the league is you know half of it's skill but the other half is you know your your mental makeup and I feel like he's got the right mental makeup to become um to become that guy. He's got the tools to be a really really good defender too. He's long, yeah. he's big for a two, you know, a tweener guy but yeah, I'm excited about what he can bring in the next couple of years. Yeah, and he's only going he's he's only going to get stronger. And and the stronger he gets, the problem with training Iguodala right away and everybody consider, thinks you can just put Turner at the 3 is that Turner's not really strong enough to guard a lot of threes. I mean, he can he's maybe not super quick and but I feel like he makes up for his lack of of speed to, to guard the two with his length like you were talking about, yeah. but when you're guarding threes, they're long too and most of them are, you know, the older NBA players really seem to hit their strength peak at that 26, 27 28, like the the age of the Iguodala is right now, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times that Turner's guard, Turner will get will get muscled around by those guys at the three. So I think that's you know the important part of keeping Iguodala is I don't think Turner's ready to I don't I think he might be as natural a point guard as he is anything else honestly, uh, but he's certainly not an, a natural three right now. So agreed. Um, you know I, I think they they're they're doing the best. The, at, at what they have and certainly with this new ownership and this new attitude you can't just go and say yeah we're just having our growing pains we're going to suck for two more years <laughs> they can't they can't do it it's not going to work no they um, won't suck either they'll be fine no 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 i think though i think they'll i think they'll, they'll be a solid six seed this year i think they'll be a solid exciting six seed um now that brings us to um drum roll please the the announcement I I don't have the the tools to do a drum <laughs> but uh, we are going to have a uh, a official um, NBA fantasy league that we do through um, my site and this podcast. So so far we have and we're going to offer up. I think we have five spots left, right? Five spots left. Yeah, we have a hell of a lineup so far. So okay, so we have you and me. Which already, what else do you need? Um, <laughs> Chris People Johnson. need more. People need more than that. Yeah, yeah. Chris Johnson, who, who I guess doesn't really even really matter either, but um, we have Zoo with Roy is going to be part of this um, NBA Fantasy League. Um, Ike Reese is going to be part of this NBA Fantasy League. Um, and Fantasource, who does all the the the, um, the gambling predictions on my website, will also nice. be part. So you'll be competing against me, Pat, Ike Reese is it with Roy. It'll be a lot of fun, um, and we'll get to trash it. We'll write about it. I assume we'll do podcasts about it. Sure, um, all year long. And uh, Pat and I are working on a great uh, prize package for whoever wins. Um, a great like regular season prize package, and then a playoff prize package, which um, 
I won't allow myself to take. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so we'll we'll have somebody um and I wasn't even very good at NBA fantasy last year <laughs> anyway. How do so we um how do we how do we pick the, these these final 5 here? This is I think what we have to we have to work out. I mean, I think um I think we should open it up to Twitter, I guess. Open it up to Twitter sure. and maybe um I was thinking that maybe you have a uh, you know, a three words as to why you should be in the league. And then we, we just come up with a hashtag and everybody hashtags it for the next two days. And Love then we it. Pick five people. Does that work? Works for me. Okay, so I'll, we'll figure out what it is after this podcast and we'll we'll put it in. What should it be? Should be uh, we'll figure it out. We'll put it. It'll be in the post. I'll put it in the post at spikeeskin.com. Cool. We'll figure out what it is and then uh, maybe by maybe by the end of the day on Friday we pick the five people and then we have the draft early next week, maybe Tuesday, something like that. Yeah, Tuesday works. Yeah, we'll figure it all out. We'll put it up on the uh, site. Sweet. Um, and if I can lend any advice to anybody who's never done NBA fantasy before, is that the best, this is the only piece of advice I'll give anybody is the best players are the stack, the stat sheet kind of players. So it's not the guy that scores 23 points and doesn't get you any rebounds and any assists. It's those not Kevin Martin. Not Kevin Correct. Martin. Kevin Martin is an awful fantasy player. Awful because awful. he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, but a guy like Iguodala who isn't going to score you 24 points but is going to get you 14, 6, and 6 is probably a, is a better fantasy player than a guy like Martin is going to be. I, so. had, the, I had the most stacked team last year and somehow did. I had Kevin Love and Blake Griffin in my front court. What? Yeah, and didn't win. Real, I came in eighth last year. I was terrible. <laughs> um, I did it with a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of strangers anyway. Oh, so. okay. I got so frustrated the last three weeks, I didn't even pay attention anyway. I was one of those guys, the guy that didn't update his roster. I banked a lot on David Lee, too, and David Lee got that. That was a letdown. Well, he had that infection in his elbow, and he didn't play for two months. He had, like, teeth sticking out of his. Yeah, that was gross. Yeah, it was very gross. So (laughs) uh, so we'll put that on the, uh, I'll put that in the post, and we'll get that together by the end of tomorrow. Cool? Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So that wraps up. Time's yours. You can uh, check Pat. On the uh, on the internet at Pat Gallon underscore PN uh, on Twitter and philliesnation.com and on 97.3 ESPN Radio in South Jersey. And more of me, uh, if you can stand it, at SpikeEskin.com.